This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Farming has always been a partnership of sorts, a partnership between the farming business and the bank. Overall, down through the years, banks have played a critical role in lending money for new machinery, land purchases, or even simply surviving the lean years. Although sometimes, the friendly bank manager has had to take some tough decisions. Hello, I'm Chris Brown with a special report on a new study into the future capital requirements of agriculture based on research undertaken on behalf of AgriFutures Australia. With agriculture entering an era when one big question is how will we feed a rapidly increasing world population, has the time come to think about other ways of financing our farms? And what would that mean for our farmers? AgriFutures Australia's recently released report on the capital requirements of Australia's agriculture, fisheries and forestry sector looked at other ways of providing investment to primary industries. Report author Jim Binney from Natural Capital Economics says the traditional debt funding of primary industry has been joined by equity investments from the big end of town. This is different, very different to a debt instrument insofar as you don't have repayments and so forth. It's really more like somebody buying in, owning a portion of the farm or even all of the farm. And so we now have um, an emerging sector and it's not that new, but it's getting bigger and bigger by the day of institutional investors coming in and buying agricultural assets and improving those assets and focusing on improving profitability and productivity and a lot of value adding. And so it's really moving the agricultural sector from what was a relatively traditional sort of debt financing um, sector into something that's more akin to the broader economy. So why are we beginning to see this shift in the type of investment in primary industry? The simple answer is that agriculture, fisheries and forestry industries need more money. The National Farmers Federation says debt levels have increased significantly in the last decade, rising by over 85% since 2003, driven by the prolonged drought and also investment in on-farm capital works with total farm debt levels now at over $60 billion. The NFF's vision for agriculture is to exceed $100 billion a year in farm gate output by 2030, up from the current $84 billion. But to achieve that will require a significant increase in investment, and it's that issue that AgriFutures Australia tackled in its new report on capital requirements. John Harvey is AgriFutures Australia's Managing Director. The simple numbers are, you know, we're currently investing about $1.2 billion per annum into agriculture and the number that the consultants have come up with through their modelling and their analysis is we probably need around $8.7 billion per annum. Yeah, so there's a big gap there, which begs the question, how are we going to achieve that? It won't be achieved surely through, you know, going to the bank and getting some sort of debt funding. Well, a lot of the investment that goes into agriculture at the moment is through debt funding. So it is going to the bank and borrowing against equity in the farm. That's where a lot of that 1.2 comes from. And that's been a very successful way of raising capital. But 
the reason we've been able to maintain that level of investment has been the fact that we have seen land values increasing. And so we've got an asset which is growing in value to borrow against. But to achieve $100 billion by 2030 will require quite a significant increase in that level of investment. And I'd have to say it's probably unlikely we'll achieve that just through additional debt funding. So we are looking at getting some sort of other investment in agriculture. What are you thinking about there? So I think the first message there is if the industry wants to hit the $100 billion target, it's probably got to do something different to what it's currently being doing to achieve that target. It needs to be something in addition to debt funding. And there's a whole range of other options. Some of them attractive, some of them come with consequences. And I guess what I'm hoping this report does and some focus on the level of investment required will be to start some of those conversations about what we want agriculture to look like going forward. And if we're serious, we want the industry to be $100 billion. What's it going to look like? Because it could look quite different if we start accessing other forms of capital, like if we go to superannuation funds and look at vehicles for making it easier for them to invest in agriculture. I think there's a real conversation now that needs to go on about, is that what we want? The problem with relying on debt funding of agriculture, according to Jim Binney, is just that. It's debt. One of the challenges with debt investment is it does create a fixed payment requirement and things for a lot of term loans for farmers and things like that. And so it becomes a major sort of fixed cost. And so it doesn't necessarily work terribly well when you're in a sector that has a lot of sort of short-term variability based on commodity prices and, you know, weather impacting on productivity and things like that. And so debt financing will get you so far, but it won't get you all the way. So there's a certain inevitability that capital fundraising will be a big part of the future of agriculture. But the AgriFutures report makes clear that there are some constraints to equity investment, not least of which are the uncertainties of weather and commodity prices. Information is such an important commodity, if I can use that term, in any investment market. And it is one of those things that for institutional investors and private equity investors and so forth to understand the sector, to understand the long-term trajectory of the sector, to understand the returns of the sector properly and so forth, to understand where the investment opportunities really are. Good quality, timely information is absolutely vital. Now, while there is a lot of information out there in terms of you know the great work that ABARES and the ABS do and the state-based agricultural departments and the industries themselves, one of the consistent messages we heard back from the investment community is that the information could be improved. And particularly if you're looking at sort of the ABARES farm survey data and things like that, expanding the farm surveys, making sure that you're actually picking up the big end of town as well. So, you know, so the larger scale farms and so forth, often they're not as well represented in the surveys as they possibly could be. The other thing too is very much sort of focusing in on the information that's available relating to value adding. So a lot of investors are really, really interested in not just the straight primary production on farm, but, you know, how do we actually value add to these products? How do we actually sort of change the product attributes where we can start tapping into high value markets and so forth. 
John Harvey also believes primary industries need to ensure they have the right information available to potential investors, such as superannuation companies, to deliver the transparency they need to make investment decisions. They are used to a certain style of investment and sometimes agriculture is a little bit different. Uh, Obviously in agriculture you've got to have business models that can cope with the seasonal fluctuations that we see in agriculture. And generally, you need quite a long time frame. You need to be a a patient investor. But having said that, agriculture has quite a different risk profile to many other industries. And also, the long-term prospects for agriculture are extremely positive. We've got a growing population in the world. Everyone needs to eat. We've got no more land being made. We've got no more water being created. We've got challenges like climate change. So... If you start looking at strategically, then you could see it being quite a nice component in the mix of an investment that a superannuation company might make. I think the other issue that needs to be thought through is just the skills and experience to be able to invest. And that really means having people that understand agriculture and understand the risks associated with agriculture and how to manage them. And having those people either within some of the super funds or working with the super funds to understand how that might invest in agriculture. So will super companies, the big end of town, have enough of that patience John talked about to weather droughts and commodity price downturns? Jim Binney says they are already taking a long-term view on many of their investments. But there are some constraints stemming from their need to maintain levels of liquidity. It is one of those things, if you look at a lot of institutional investors in terms of you know, superannuation, a lot of equity investors, they are taking a very long-term view of the world. And agriculture actually sort of suits that because you do tend to pick up a lot of sort of capital gains. You are picking up a lot of sort of transitional processes that are going on in agriculture to improve productivity and things like that. So you do need to be patient. And a lot of equity investors can be very patient. One of the problems that we actually have is there are actually some capital requirements for institutional investors in Australia, particularly in terms of liquidity, where it makes it a little bit harder for them to be sort of patient with assets, where asset classes where they may need to be able to um, dispose of those assets or sell those assets at a relatively short sort of time frame, and agricultural land is actually very, very hard to do that. But getting back to your question, absolutely, investors do need to be patient, and they do need to be very discretionary in terms of the, the types of investments they're actually looking for and really looking for both productivity gains, where are the opportunities for value adding and so forth, and where is Australia's competitive advantage? You know, the, the domestic market in Australia for agricultural output is pretty much growing at the uh, pace of population. We really do need to focus on those international markets, maintaining and increasing market share internationally, and really looking at those markets and what are they actually after in terms of products, and really focusing on that, and it is a long-term game. Yeah, well, just on that, then, are we talking here about those institutional investors, as you put it, the superannuation funds, etc.? Are they investing in the family farms or are they investing more in corporate agriculture? Just where will that money flow to? At the moment, the focus is very much in the larger corporate farms and it's all about scale for the institutional investors at the moment. And one of the reasons for that is if you think about the due diligence, if you're looking at investing in an asset, you're putting in the same amount of effort, whether it's a $1 million investment or a $100 million investment. And so 
at the moment, you know, the investment is very much focused in on those larger sort of corporate farms. Now that creates a little bit of a constraint to, you know, your smaller family farms and your smaller corporates and so forth. How do they get on the radar for investors? And that comes back to that information problem again, is, you know, if you can get better information, all of a sudden the institutional investors can start thinking about, and it's easier for them to invest in some of those smaller farms. It also takes a bit of a change in the attitude of your typical sort of family farm where to sort of open themselves up to, with my enterprise, I'm really wanting to improve productivity, productivity, improve profitability, access new markets and things like that. I've got a constraint on my capital that I can access through debt and through my own equity. How do I actually start accessing and reaching out to third-party investors, you know, be they private equity or, or institutional investors? And I think there's a real gap in the market there for intermediaries. There are a few research groups and consultants that work in that sort of space at the moment, but, you know, they're, they're pretty limited. It's not really a major sort of part of the machinery of the of the sector at the moment. But it's actually a big part of the solution is finding those intermediaries between, you know, your smaller scale farms and those institutional investors. How do you actually package up a number of smaller investments from a number of family farms and turn it into something that's actually attractive to third party investors? And that's really a way of unlocking that capital investment. And there's the rub. Whereas corporate farming, listed or unlisted, by its very nature will have shareholders, do family farmers want shareholders who aren't family members? To be honest, I think it's just challenging everybody about if we're serious about hitting that target. I think the really important discussion that needs to go on is, is that what you want? Is that the sort of agriculture we want in Australia? What do we want the future of agriculture to look like? Do we want it to be corporate farms? Do we want it to be family farms? Do we want it to be family corporates? And how might that look? So, if investment funding of farming is set to grow in the future, how might things change? And here I'm not talking simply about ownership of the farm, but rather how it's managed. Jim Binney thinks it will require some adjustments by both parties. It requires a cultural shift. It requires a bit of an attitudinal shift by both parties. And so, if you think about that corporate investor, they're coming in, they don't necessarily understand agriculture terribly well, but they have a lot to bring to the table because they're looking at agriculture through a slightly different lens. You know, it's very much the focus on profitability, whereas often, at, you know, a lot of farms, they focus on, you know, I'm trying to increase my productivity. I'm a cane farmer. I want to get better than 120 tonnes a hectare. An investor's going to come in and they go, okay, well, let's actually start looking at the markets. Let's start looking at those bigger picture sort of opportunities. Let's actually start thinking about profitability and what are the constraints to you improving your profitability over time? Whereas, you know, a lot of, you know, particularly family farms and things like that and, and, and smaller farmers, they're very focused on the day-to-day and they need to be, you know, they're, they're worried about, you know, are we getting our water onto our crops on time? What's likely to happen in the terms of rainfall forecast in the next few months? Do I need to go and fix that pump? All these sorts of things. And so, you know, it's entirely understandable they're very focused on the day-to-day as well. And so a meeting of the two minds between your landholder, your more traditional farmer and the investment community, I think there's some really amazing opportunities there that could really see the, the sector shine in the future. But I think it requires both parties to sort of sit there and spend a lot of time with each other, really get to understand each other. And again, it always flows back to that information. How do we understand the perspectives of each other and what are the information needs? 
that each party has of the other party. When you're talking about profitability here and a different way of thinking, where do these institutional investors or where would they be looking for their profits out of agriculture? Will it be the increase in the capital value of the land or in the profitability of the crop? Where are they looking for their profits? The short answer is both, which at the end of the day is not that different from a farmer, although, you know, it's pretty more of a focus in on on that profit. And the thing is too, you know, often they're looking for that profitability in the short term because you need to keep on making that profit to actually finance your debt, you know, to, to make your loan repayments and things like that. And so profit is actually really, really important because the if you're taking an equity stake in somebody's farm, you know, that's where you're picking up your investment is actually more around the capital improvements as well. But at the end of the day, the capital value of any agricultural enterprise is constrained by its current and future ability to create profit. So at the end of the day, it's no different to any other sort of economic asset and things like that. Its value ties back to the profit and the value add you can make off that asset over time. And at the end of the day, that's exactly the same whether you're an investor or whether you're a farmer. If you're a farmer sitting there going, oh, I'm going to sell my nest egg eventually, the value of that land is really what's the future profitability we can actually get out of this land as well. So they're very much aligned. One of the issues that farmers, it's a perennial issue for farmers and it's something that would, I imagine institutional investors might have a bit of hard trouble getting their head around, is that farmers are traditionally price takers. Somebody else sets a price. An investor may not like that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the patterns of investment that have been occurring in Australia, you know, in terms of equity investment, it's going into larger enterprises, but a lot of it is actually going to enterprises where the investors are actually looking to change the product attributes, if you like, if I can use that sort of terminology. And so if you're thinking about, you know, investing in beef, they are creating a brand and they're managing the properties in in conjunction with the landholders and the land managers and so forth to create a brand that they can then sell into a high value market. And so you're getting sort of investment into, you know, Tasmanian beef producers and things like that, where they're running their own abattoirs and they're selling straight into Asian restaurant markets. So, you know, so they're completely bypassing the rest of the supply chain. And what they're doing is they're selling right into that sort of premium product market. And that's where a lot of the, you know, the capital investors are actually really looking to do is like it's it's breaking that nexus between I'm a producer and I'm a price taker to I'm a producer and I'm a price maker because I am differentiating my product and I'm able to sell into those premium markets. It's no secret that the world's population is growing that there's an ever-increasing demand for protein, that the need for sustainably produced food and fibre will become stronger year on year. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that the big end of town will inevitably look increasingly to farming as an investment destination. How that could change the shape of agriculture in Australia is a discussion yet to be had. But a good starting point in that conversation is the AgriFutures Australia study of the future capital requirements of agriculture, fisheries and forestries. So for me, it's actually raised miles more questions than it's answered. It really has challenged. I think in some ways I've been sitting there thinking, well, you know, 100 billion sounds like a reasonable target. Let's go for it. 
And then we did the work that said, well, if we stay on our current trajectory and do what we're doing now, we'll probably hit 84 billion. And then it's a bit of a no-brainer to say, well, if you want to grow, you've probably got to invest. So that sort of prompted us to the question, well, roughly how much would we need to invest? And that's where we came up with these numbers and the need for an additional $7.5 billion. And then when you start getting into the detail, okay, well, if we're not going to be able to raise that through debt funding like we have in the past, or if that's not going to be enough, then what else, where else? And obviously, the obvious place people look is superannuation funds and then offshore investment. And then you start thinking, well, what's the consequence of that? And of course, it comes back to the question of, is that what you want? Is that the outcome you actually want? So for, for me, the next step is really talking to people, finding out they're getting their reactions and getting their feedback and seeing what ideas people have as a consequence of this report. And then I think there might be some more detailed questions we ask about the future of ag and what people want it to look like and and how we might be able to get the sort of investment that we need to achieve that future that people want. John Harvey, AgriFutures Australia's Managing Director, and that report is available in PDF format on the AgriFutures Australia website. Thanks for listening to this special AgriFutures On Air. My name is Chris Brown. Thank you.